0: Well, good morning again. Can you say it back? Good morning. Can we say yeah, Thank you. Hey, if you have your Bibles, go to uh, Psalm 1. Psalm 1. And I know some of you are looking at me a little funny, because uh, I have, as Emma calls it, a must-mash. Uh, <clears throat> but let me tell you why I have a must-mash. And so, uh, one, just awesome, uh, but number two uh, is I have this weird plan for my kids' life that when they get older, and they look back uh, at like, I know we don't like like have photo albums anymore, but I have this weird thing that when my kids get older, I want them to look back at like our family pictures. Uh, every time we went on vacation, dad had a mustache, but he never had one in real life. Uh, and so anyway, we were on vacation last week, uh, and Ashley told me I could keep it one more uh, day. And so she actually likes it, she won't, she won't admit to it, but uh, she likes it a lot. Uh, Next Sunday, uh, the 10th, uh, we, is our, uh, our family night. And so, if you remember, we were walking through Starting Point, uh, doing a re-up and membership. We talked about how our business meetings are going to be called family nights now. And so, next Sunday, as Ryan has announced at, ten, at 5, uh, we're having our first family night. And so, if you're a member, Cross Point, it's really important for you to be here on that Sunday because we're going to be announcing some stuff that is super exciting for the for the future of our church. And so, uh, I'm excited to be able to put it out uh, and let you guys in on it. And so, I'm anyway, I'm super excited. I know nobody's leaving or anything like that, but super exciting plans for our uh, our church. And so, anyway, make plans to be here for that as long as. Well, we'll have a meeting and have ice cream. I plan on doing a movie. There's a little bit of forecast for rain right now because like every day is forecasted for rain right now. Uh, So anyway, we'll just pray that that hold off. So Psalm 1. So if you haven't been with us, we are in a a summer series called Psalms of Summer, uh, or Summer in Psalms. And so as we're just walking through, really picking them, uh, uh, you know, just kind of randomly, but as the Lord leads. And what's really funny is uh, for this Sunday, so Luke's going right, and so uh, I had uh, planned to teach Psalm 103, and Luke and I were talking uh, last night, and he, and I told him what Psalm I was teaching. He's like, oh, I was planning on do that next Sunday. Uh, and so anyway, uh, I, this morning, the Lord led me to another Psalm. So this is as fresh as it's ever been. But anyway, Psalm 1. Uh, luckily, it's one that I'd kind of walked through already and maybe uh, to teach. Uh, and what's crazy is, Psalm 1 being the introductory of the book of Psalms, I've never taught a sermon out of Psalm 1. Of all the sermons I've ever preached, it's real. You figure like that's one of your first sermons you preach. But no, uh, this will be my uh, first time. But Psalm 1, I'm going to go ahead and read. read It's only six verses. It reads like this. says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They're like shafts are chafed that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we uh, thank you for your love for us. God, we just pray now as we just dive into your word, God, that you will, you will make Psalm 1 be our reality. God, that we will delight in the law of the Lord, that we will meditate upon it day and night. Uh, God, we pray that if any of us in, in this room this morning, God, just be honest, God, that maybe sometimes when we're thinking about your word, it's, or just reading your word, it seems drudgery, or it just seems like we haven't had much energy, God. I pray that today the Holy Spirit will light a fire within us to, to, to dive into your word, to, to delight in your word. God, no one ever outgrows your Bible. So God, I pray that today that you will, you will just make us fall more in love with it. God, as we, as we just walk through it verse by verse, God, that you'll give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to believe, and feet to obey, uh, faith to obey, God, that which you call us to today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this is a uh, well-known psalm, Psalm 1. Uh, it's, it's a contrast of the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. But the very first, it says, blessed is the man. Uh, blessed is the man. And, you know, when we think about the word blessed or blessed, uh, many of us have different thinking about what that word actually means. It could mean happy is the man. Uh, but I don't usually like the word happy because for us, a lot of times, uh, when we think about happiness, it's, uh, it depends on what time. Of the day it is right. It depends on how I woke up this morning. If if I'm happy or not, it my happiness changes uh, just with the way the wind blows or not, uh, or if it rains or doesn't rain, right? And so there's a there's a deeper level when we get to Psalm one when we see this word "blessed is the man," and then he lays out uh, what I've kind of tried to narrow down to just three words is how we're going to attack the rest of the text. Uh, But how we lays we need to understand when it comes to the book of Psalms, when it comes to scripture, what's in mind whenever uh, the writers are talking about this blessed man or this blessed man. And if we were just to read some of the Psalms uh, or parts of the New Testament, uh, we will see kind of what the the source of this blessedness is is, if you will. Uh, I just picked a few. They're going to come up on the screen. Psalm 32, 1 and 2. Luke taught on this a few weeks ago. It says, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. So there's a, there's a blessedness that we experience with the reality of understanding that our transgressions have been forgiven. Like, there's a deep-rooted blessedness within my soul, understanding that God has truly forgiven all of my sins right amen like there's a there's a blessedness that comes from that. keep reading whose sin is covered like child of God do you do you realize that your sin is covered like your your transgressions have been forgiven, and that is a source of blessedness it says, blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity like just I know we talk gospel a lot and sin's forgiven but like Catch the magnitude of that, like the Lord no longer counts any iniquity towards me and you because of his son. There's a source of blessedness that comes from that realization and that knowledge. And in whose spirit there's no seed, Psalm 34, eight says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Check this out. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. So we understand biblically this blessedness comes from knowing the reality that our sins have forgiven. But there's a blessedness in, in taking refuge in the Lord that inside this refuge that we taste and see and what we taste and we, what we see is, is good. right? There's a, in the refuge of the Lord, there's a blessedness. There's a blessedness in taking refuge. Psalm 65.4 says, blessed is the one you choose and bring near. So there's a, there's a blessedness in knowing that God has chosen us and he's called us to himself. Right? Not of ourselves, not anything we've done, but, but God, who's rich in mercy, decided to, on his own account, not on, on, like, because we earned it or something, but he, he chose and, and he, drew, he called us to himself and he's forgiven us of all of our sin. It says, to dwell in your courts, we shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house. That we understand there's a blessedness to being, being able to draw near to God, that God has drawn us to himself. And in that, in that nearness to God, that there is ultimate satisfaction. There is blessed, blessedness in that reality. Psalm 89, 15, blessed are the people who know the festival, shout, who walk, O Lord, in light of your face. There's blessedness in walking the Lord and seeing the Lord's face. So when we see this verse, this blessed is the man, it's in this context, this blessed man is one who understands that his sin is forgiven, that his transgressions are will be held against him no more, that there's he's been invited to draw near to God, right? That he can find shelter in the Lord most high. Blessed is this man. This is the man who is blessed. And so in the, in the rest of these verses really... Uh, from the rest of verse 1 all the way to verse 3, uh, I really kind of broke up these, these verses in three words. And they're really characteristics of a, this blessed man's life. Number one, if you're taking notes, is Sanctification. Many times we think about sanctification. I don't know if we really think of that. that's a blessing, right? As in a sense of like the the work of sanctification, like when God's calling me to die to myself and live for Him, like is that a blessing? Like to understand that that God has sanctified me because for the believer, you have you have been sanctified as in called a part called uh, set aside by God, right? Like you have been sanctified, but you're still being sanctified. Like there, there's a it's a is but hasn't all been completed yet already? It's 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 both of those, just a paradox of the Christian life, right? And so a lot of times we think about sanctification, the work that God is transforming me more into the image of Jesus, isn't necessarily the the most you make you feel good things often, right? Anybody else like to deny themselves? Do they just take pleasure in saying no to self? Am I the only one that struggles with that? All y'all are just a bunch of saints that don't struggle with self anymore. Or when God calls you to, to apologize or forgive somebody or, or the, the work of the Spirit is, is convicting you of some sin in your life and, and that, that just feels good all the time, right? No, it doesn't. The, the idea of sanctification is oftentimes, it's painful. It's not necessarily the, the easiest walk in the road, but I want you to see this morning is that the sanctification no longer, no matter how hard it hurts, is a blessed life. It's a blessing and what we see, first of all, in verse 1, it says, blessed is the man. Check out, I want, you to, I, want to, I want you to show you sometimes how like psalms get structured. So notice the groups of three. And right here it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Is it? Yeah, so check it out. You can actually see it on here. So you got blessed is the man. And so let's say category one is walks, stands, sits. You follow me? Everybody with me? All right, so, so it's in groups of three. So walks, stands, and sits is a group. Uh, then we go to the, to the council, the way the seat is a group, right? Everybody with me? All right, this means yes. Okay, all right. So you got walk, stand, sits, counsel, way, seat. Then you have wicked sinner, scoffers, right? So the way that the psalm, the psalm is broken down, a lot of times it gives us these, these groups, if you will, and it's there for a reason, uh, because what we're understanding, there's, this is this blessed man who is not doing these things. So when you first look at this, uh, how could we translate it? What is the psalmist trying to teach us out of this Psalm, first, psalm 1-1? When you take these three groups, you could look at it one way as in it's a progression from uh, maybe walks means it's just like lightly or like this is like they've made a the decision. This is how I'm walking. And maybe stands means they just kind of stop for a minute. Uh, and then sits means like they're really indecisive. But let me show you what this actually is showing us. And so uh, if you look at the word counsel, it'd be more like uh, he's walking in the advice of the wicked. Anybody with me? All right, so here's this man. Here's a, here's, he's not doing this. All right, so blessed is the man who doesn't do this. we got to catch that, right? right and so he, he's not walking in the advice of the wicked. Now, the next would be he's not standing in the way as in. It's moved past advice to he's actually pondering this way of life. Everybody with me? All right, and so then we get down, he sits, he's actually in a position of a teacher, who one who sits, he sits in the seat of scoffers, and so followed the progression. So at one point, he's just kind of walking around, there's advice of the world, advice of the wicked. The wicked saying, hey, this is, this is how you should do it, but he's just kind of, eh. And at some point, he stops and is kind of pondering what's going on. And then the next step down is that he's actually seated there and he's actually searing, he's seating at the table with the scoffers. What we're seeing is this, this is a progression of, of how sin works in our life. As in at first it's just, hey, hey, listen here, let's do this. And we're just kind of, uh. Eh. And at some point, what we do? We stop and we begin to listen to it. Pondering it. And then before long, what are we doing? We're, sitting at the table of the scoffers. And you can actually look at it like, look at the third cat, the wicked. Wicked would be like general, like it's universal of of evil. And then from that it goes to sinners who would be one who's actually practicing sin to a scoffer would be one who actually vocally uh, 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 spoke against the Lord, if you will. He laughed at the Lord. And so it went from one who's just casually walking around uh, to hmm. Two, the Lord is not true and he's not right, he's not good. And so scripture says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the way, or who does not walk, uh, he walks not in the counsel of the wicked, or stands in the way of the sinners, or sits in the seat of the of scoffers. What we see is this downward trend, this movement from considering to fully immersed. This is the, the path of sin in our life. Listen to me. Scripture says, blessed it is the man who does not get sucked into these things. It starts with just, hey, it's not a big deal. It starts with, that you know, just think this way. Be more open-minded. Be more tolerant or It's not that big of a deal to before long we're seated at the table in it. And Scripture says, blessed is the man who doesn't get sucked into those things. When we think about sanctification, oftentimes this is what we're seeing here that here's this blessed man who, because of the work that God has done in his life, now has the ability, and the man here is, is a general term, man or woman, has, now has the ability to not, not do these things anymore because of the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our life. And you contrast that idea with Psalm 32, right? This idea of when we think about being blessed, we think about, no, blessing is just that my sins are forgiven, right? That's what we want to focus on. Right, like blessed means that I don't, have to, I don't have to bear the consequence of my sin anymore. God has forgiven me. It doesn't matter how many, actually I was talking to a guy this past week, said, you know, uh, they, somebody in their family says, you know, God's going to forgive me unlimited amounts of times. Jesus has forgiven me. True, listen, that is a blessing to know that our sins are forgiven, right? But listen to me, it's deeper than that. It is blessed to know that my sins are forgiven, but what we understand in scripture is that blessed is the man who walks with the Lord. Like we miss that blessing oftentimes. If there's actually a blessing in walking with the Lord, if there's actually a blessing in God sanctifying our life, let's don't, de- let's don't despise that blessedness of walking with the Lord. And like let's just don't yeah, the gospel is good, and Jesus has saved me from my sins. But listen to me, what 1 Peter tells us in 2.24 says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin, but what else? To live to righteousness, right? Like, let's don't forget that part of the gospel. The, the gospel says, yes, he died on a tree to forgive me of my sins, but also that I could live to righteousness, Right? Like, that he's, he's actually done something. Actually, Titus 2.14 says, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, to purify himself of people for his own possession, who were zealous for good works. I wrote this down. I think it's going to come on the screen. The gospel not only saves you from your sin, but it also empowers us to walk in victory and obedience. There's the word obedience, right? Our, I know my generation doesn't like it too much. Matter of fact, some of the biggest fights I've had, say fights, biggest arguments I've had in my 30s is with other believers who say, Justin, we don't talk about obedience. Now listen to me, the the same gospel that saves us is the same gospel that sanctifies us to walk with the Lord. And there's a blessedness of walking with the Lord. What our, my generation has done is taken anything that's inconvenient and has sta- tagged label, uh, legalism to it. Yeah, it's inconvenient for me to stop lusting after other women. It's inconvenient for me to actually spend my time wisely. It's inconvenient for me to serve other people. It's inconvenient for me to say no to the flesh. But in sanctification, that's what God is calling me to do and enabling us to do. So the blessed, blessed is the man who's walking in sanctification. Number two, not only is a characteristic of the blessed man's life, sanctification, it's also meditation. Look at verse two. So in contrast, blessed is the man who, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. But, so there's a contrast. On the other side, his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. What we see here in verse 2 of the psalmist isn't only focused on what the blessed man doesn't do. Right? In verse 1 he just tells us what he doesn't do. He doesn't do these things, but what does he do? And he isn't just focused on the external, but we'll see the internal. But first, he says that he his delight. We'll get to that in a minute. Is in the law of the Lord. When me and you and and in our generation, our time and day, when we think when we say that word law, we automatically our mind automatically goes to Mount Sinai and the Ten Commandments. Right? Anybody else? When I said law, y'all went Ten Commandments in your head, right? That that's not what the psalmist is, is writing here. Matter of fact, if you were to there's one in Romans when Paul writes uh, about the law. He, it's like, I wish I would have wrote it down, but like, there's like four verses uh, that he actually is quoting, uh, and it's all Psalms, but he calls it the law. Actually, Jesus, and many times when he's asked a question and he answers back, it is written in the law. He's quote, he actually quotes a psalm. And so when we see this word law, what the, what the biblical writers saw in Psalm 19 is is. is is the instruction of God, the full instruction of God, not just the Ten Commandments, not just what we see. It's actually the word Torah, which is the, the instructions of the Lord. And so when the psalmist says his delight is in the law of the Lord, he's not just talking about all the things God told us we couldn't do. It's how God's revealed himself. It's in, it's in how God is, He's instructed us to live. It is literally the, 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 the blessed man delights in whatever God says. You you with me? Like the blessed is the man who whatever God says, he delights in that. You ever seen anybody delighted? Right? Like I think about my girls when it comes to ice cream. All right. Like it's the biggest disaster in the world, parents. You know what I'm talking about? Like you know, we we can't we can't go to Chick Fil A anymore. You know, it used to be like, well, we said we can't go. We still go like at least once a week because it's Chick Fil A and you get points in heaven for going there, and you don't have to bless the food because it's Chick-fil-A, uh, so you can eat quicker. Uh, but anyway, we can't. every time we go there, you know, toys used to be a big deal, but now it's like, no, I need this toy so I can go trade in and get ice cream, uh, and it's gonna be a mess, right? And so, or, you know, anyway, but the delight in Evie's eyes when she gets that ice cream, it's like, right, it's the best thing in the world. And that's that picture of, of this, when it comes to whatever God says to me, whatever God has revealed to me, whatever God has instructed me, it is delightful to me. Right? Blessed is the man when he sees the law of God, hears the law of God, hears the word of God, it is delightful to him. What well, we see the Psalm is shifting from activities of the body to the heart that this blessed man this blessed woman delights to have God instruct him or her you think about the word delight why didn't you know why did why didn't he go like blessed is the man so at first he goes walks not in the counsel of the wicked why didn't he go like but he walks in the Counsel of the Lord. Like, why didn't he just go contrasting to activity to activity? Right, you ever thought, like, why didn't he do that? It makes sense to do that. But what he does is he goes from the external activity to what? To the heart. Yes, he's not doing these things. Blessed is a man who does it. He, he abstains from these things, but this is what he actually does. He delights. He moves from the fruit to the root. Of what's actually driving this man to not follow the counsel of the world what's actually driving this woman to not sit at the seat in the seat of the scoffers what is motivating this person to actually abstain from this, their own flesh and he uses the word delight and i really like the word delight uh, because it's it's Like I said, it's the root, but it, it's, a, it's a delight in changing. It's not just this dutiful comply. The blessed man doesn't just comply to the things that God called him to because it's what he's supposed to do. What he's saying is he delights in the law of the Lord. And that, that root, that delight deep down is what drives his or her feet. It's a new change in delight. It's, and I wrote this down, and this is just newsflash. What we delight in is evident. Uh, how did I write it down? What we delight in is, in, is obvious in how we live. Uh, that's just like step out of the textbook. It's just like, hey, we can know li- more than anything. Our kids can know what we delight in by how we live. Uh, y'all have heard me say that. Like, people will know what we delight, what, what brings us greatest joy, simply by watching us the way we live. And that's what we see here is he delights in the law of the Lord. And so, when you take these two verses together, really what we're seeing is, is the alternative to not walking in the counsel of the wicked or standing in the way of sinners or sitting in the seat of scoffers is to delight in the law of the Lord. Are you follow me? If you read just the text at plain value, it is you have two choices. Whether you can, you can walk in the way of the wicked or you can delight in the law of the Lord. Like, and so what, naturally what we, see, what we see from this text is the natural uh, alternative is to delight in the law of the Lord, which my mind got to go in is, A, how can we delight in something that indicts us and reminds us of how sinful we are? B, how can that be the alternative to not live in the flesh anymore? Anybody else think like that? Does that just mean like, how can this thing that's going to remind me of my sinfulness, A, how can I delight in that? Because nobody likes to be told how bad they are naturally. And B, how can that keep me from walking and living in my own flesh? Anybody anybody with me? So that's the question that we get. how, How is that the alternative? Because when we read Scripture, when we read the instruction of the Lord, we're not just reminded of our sinfulness, but we're also reminded of how we've been forgiven. Right, Psalm 32, 1 and 2, we read this a while ago. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and whose spirit there is no deceit. His delight, the, 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 the blessed man, his delight is in the instruction that, what? Forgives him. And we go to the text and then when we read the instruction. Yes, we see our sinfulness, but we also see the grace of the Lord. We see how he's forgiven us. Not just my failures, but also his forgiveness. And here's what's crazy about the Psalms 32 here is, you know, when he transgression is forgiven, sin is covered. How the Lord counts no iniquity. Listen to me. They were writing about something that they, they didn't truly understand completely. You know, here's David potentially, not in Psalm 1, but here's David, you know, the psalmist writing about this sin that God's never going to count my sin against me anymore. But still, year by year, they were having to make atonements for forgiveness of sins. But you and I get the full picture now, right? Because Christ has come, and what these psalmists were really prophesying about how God was going to do something, he could, he could remember my sin no more that we see is a reality in Romans chapter seven. This is speaking of the law and how meditation on or delight in the law of God and meditation day and night can be the alternative for, for living for the flesh. And so Romans chapter seven, so how, answering the question, how can this law that indicted us free us? Right? How, how could this law that indicted us actually be what we delight in and allow and, and help us live for the Lord? Psalm seven, uh, Romans seven, four and six, four through six says, "Likewise, my brothers, you have also died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we, we may bear fruit for God." Pause for a moment. When we think about this law pre Jesus, this law is how we would work towards gaining righteousness. Are you with me? Like, that's how we earn salvation. That's how the Jews would try to earn salvation. And so in Romans 7, what Paul is teaching is our relationship to the law. The law hasn't changed. Our relationship to the law has. Like, it's still the instruction of the Lord. It's just we're not under it to or maintain or gain righteousness any longer. Everybody with me? Okay. And so he says uh, that we may bear fruit for while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused with the law while work in our members to bear fruit for death. Check out verse six. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive so that we, listen to me, there's still serving happening here. It says so that we serve in a new way of the spirit, not in the old way of the written code. Well, it was a written code. I, I, in my own ability, read this instruction to the Lord and try to earn righteousness. That's the old code. But now because of Jesus, I've been freed by what, that which held me captive. So when I read the scriptures anymore, it's not just, it doesn't keep me bound anymore. Why? Because in the blood of Jesus, we've been freed to that which once held us captive. And now my relationship Towards it has changed, but listen to me. The law doesn't, I gotta say it, freedom from the law doesn't mean that the instruction is void. Just because I don't go to the law to try to find righteousness anymore doesn't mean I don't go to the law of God to know how to live for God and to walk with God. Make it clear, Romans 5, 9 says, therefore, we have been justified by his blood. We are now justified by the blood of Jesus, and that is the only way of justification. Psalm 48 says, I delight to do your will, O my God, your law is within my heart. I want to make it clear, listen to me, we are justified by Jesus, not by law keeping. We die to the law in way of justification but not instruction. We are now empowered to walk in obedience and in walking in obedience with the Lord produces joy because what happens, listen to me, this is the beauty of the new covenant is that in the new covenant when we are born again, what Psalm 40 teaches us uh, is that, the, that Jesus pours the spirit within our hearts So before the law, yes, it was indicting 100%. And it's still today, it is still, I look at the law and see that I do not measure up. But the law also being the instruction of the Lord also tells me that Jesus died for my sin. That I can find forgiveness. So yes, once we were bound and the old covenant was written on the outside of us, that it was up to me to maintain walking with the Lord and maintain even finding righteousness. But the new covenant, scripture says that Jesus has written it on my heart via the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So now my empowerment to walk with the Lord in, in sanctification doesn't come from my own ability, but the spirit that indwells within. That's the blessedness of knowing Jesus. What we see in verses one and two is that delighting in the law of God is a fundamental alternative to walking in the ways of the world. The delighted man says he meditates on the law of God day and night. I'm going to move forward, but this meditate here is it's a cool word, it literally means to whisper, there's a low repetition. Literally what he's saying is that you have a conversation with yourself. That day and night, blessed is the man, he delights in the law of the Lord, and day and night he's, he's, he's speaking the word to himself. It's a murmuring like you walk in and hear somebody in the corner talking, it's that, that picture of of day and night, night and day. we That's in my head because we sang that a while ago, but that's not what the text says. Day and night. Anyway, I'm not a singer, obviously. But the picture of that—that that delight, the one who delights in the law of the Lord, what he does is he day and night he meditates. He he speaks the word over himself or herself. He's constantly reminding himself of the the promises and the instruction of the Lord. That day and night they're they're pondering. They're having a conversation. It's focusing on God's instruction. It's a serious pondering. I think that this. Uh, this delight is very connected to to trusting in the Lord, and, and Jeremiah seventeen. There's it's almost uh, you know it's almost verbatim or it, uh, expounded upon of of this psalm. It says Jeremiah seventeen seven eight says, "Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord." whose trust is the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream that does not fear when the heat comes, for when it leaves, it remains green, for it leaves, uh, leaves remain green. And is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. There's this 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 delight, and I think it's anonymous with, with trust in the Lord, that we are delighting and we're meditating, we're pondering upon God's law. And actually what's really weird is in Psalm, to say weird, but, in Psalm 2, right, it says, Why did the nations rage and the people plot in vain? Do you know that the, first, the same word for the word plot is the same word for me, uh, meditate? It's the same as that word. So when you think about Psalm 2, what are they doing? They're they're their brain, they're they're focusing, they're thinking on how to overthrow the Lord. If you they're they're constantly focused against the Lord. And so the positive side of that is meditating, my mind is constantly about the Lord. I'm constantly speaking the Lord's word over myself and, and 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 over and over again, day and night. And what's real crazy, and this is where we need to know our Bibles, is this day and night, is there's an innuendo there that they were memorizing scripture. Because back then, they didn't have just like copies of Bibles everywhere. Maybe the priest or the the teachers had one, but for the most part, normal people didn't have a copy of a scroll of of the first five books of the Old Testament. So evidently in their life, they they were memorizing the law of God so that whenever they were at their house, when they were at night, in their bed at night, or wherever they were, they were constantly meditating, having conversations with themselves about the law of God. They were meditating on it. So we see that the blessed is the man in sanctification, meditation, and in verse three. I'll wrap over this is implant- implantation, uh, and so I just had to have another shun. So if you don't like that word, I thought about like irrigation because it said river by a tree by a river. I thought about anyway hydration, but I just used implant. All right, so because it says this he this blessed is the man that is delighting in the law of the Lord who meditates the day and night what's the result he is like a tree that is planted by streams of water this man this blessed is the man who who does not walk in this way but he 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 delights in the law of the Lord and he meditates on the on the law of the Lord day and night what happens is that he is planted like a tree by the streams of water he is a And when a man delights in the law and meditates day and night, what happens is it pushes his roots deeper and deeper. Right, so get this picture where you're, maybe you're walking uh, in in the in the woods, and you come up on a creek. And you see this ginormous tree, and you know it, and I know y'all have seen it like on the side of a river or creek. You see these the how like where the creek or the river is washed out the banks, and you see these roots that kind of come come out of the side of the the banks, if you will. You, the, it's this picture, this big tree with its roots are deep, sinking deeper and deeper, and what's it sinking into is uh, sinking into streams of water. Is this picture of this man who becomes unshakable? Blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. As he's doing that, his roots are going deeper and deeper. And it's not just going nowhere, it's going, it's, he's planted by streams of water. And Psalms gives us beautiful pictures of water. And Psalm 46 4 says, There is a river whose Streams make glad the city of God. So, blessed is the man who's delighting in the law of the Lord and meditating on it day and night, and his roots are sinking by this water that's making his heart even more glad. Anybody see this beautiful picture, Psalm 36, 7 to 9. Check out this. How precious is your steadfast love, O God, The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you there is a fountain of life. In your light do we see light. Man, just look at that. All of this is around this river of life. There's this steadfast love. There's a refuge In the shadow of the wings, there's a feast of abundance. There's drink from a river. There's a fountain of life. There's light. And what we see here is that when it comes to this water, this fountain of water, these streams of water, that as our roots are sinking, that there will be gladness. There will be steadfast love that we experience. There will be a refuge that we experience. There will be this drink of living water, this abundance, if you will. So blessed is the man who does not walk this way, but instead delights in the way of the Lord and the law of the Lord. He meditates because as he's doing that, his roots are growing deeper and deeper and he will experience even more grace. I wrote this, that grace is mediated by the word of God to the man who delights and meditates on the word of God. That God has given us this word to be a mediator of grace in our life. What that means is, as you and I, we delight in this, and we meditate on a day and night. God, through the supernatural work of the Spirit, increases gladness and increases grace in our life and joy. And we're the results of Him being planted like a tree by streams of water. Number one is that He yields its fruit in its season. This becomes a fruitful man, or a fruitful woman. The man who's meditating, delighting in the law of God will be a fruitful, he will have a fruitful life. As in fruit, as in the fruit of the Spirit, joy, peace, love. We can list all those. He will, the fruit of obedience, this will be a man who's walking with the Lord. Or woman, when I say man, women do get he just keeps saying man, like this is universal term here. I'm not just singing out. I'm not a chauvinist to anything. I do have a mustache, so I'm kind of borderline, but anyway. The picture is, is that as, as we're delighting in the law of God and, and, and submitting to the sanctification or the work of sanctification of the Holy Spirit in our life, our lives will be fruitful for the kingdom of God. Individually, as a walk in obedience, Second Corinthians 9, 8. Did I give you that? Yeah. Uh, and and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency and all good things at all times, you may be abound in every good. I'm show, I want to kind of show you how my mind's working. Um, I don't know if I'm doing a good job of this picture, these roots going down and tapping into like a water system that is actually grace coming in. So God is able to make all grace abound to you. One of the, one of the ways that God continues to make, because we've already experienced grace, right? Right, that was the grace was past tense. How does God keep filling us with grace in our life? It's by the Word of God. Right. Like the way that we continue to experience grace and grow in grace is by delighting in the Word of God. And so He is, He is, uh, so that having all sufficiency in all things, you may be able, you may abound in every good work. There it is. Like as we delight in God's Word and meditate on it, He will, He will deliver even more grace to us. So we're fruitful. The man who's planted like a tree, he's fruitful, but also he's durable. Says that uh, his leaf does not wither. And and the imagery here is like when a drought were were to come, the, the tree who's planted by the river, his leaves are, he's not gonna the leaves are not gonna wither. Why? Because their source of strength, their source of life, isn't something on the surface. It isn't factored in by the drought. If you will. it is, it is. It is sunk in by the river, so it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop in drought because this joy isn't on surface things, and that's the picture of the blessed, the blessed life. If you will. As blessed, is the man who delights in the law of the Lord because he's like a tree. And Jeremiah, how Jeremiah read it, it says it sends out its roots into the stream. It does not fear when heat comes, or or it's not anxious when there's a drought. Why? Because its source of life isn't found on things that are surface level. Now, listen to me, I know I've spoke all around the world here, and that is, that's like true north for me and you. That the word of God is so sufficient that if we would delight in it and meditate on it, it doesn't matter what happens around us, I'm still secure. <laughs> what? You mean God has given me what I need to not be frazzled by everything that's going on around me? I don't care how like I don't care how muscular you are of how much you've seen in life. There are things that happen in our world that make you go, listen, we don't we don't have to be frazzled like, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen? Because if we delight ourselves in the word, it says that it, it will implant us. It will plant us and our, our roots will grow deep. And it says that he's like a tree planted by streams that yields its fruit, There's fruitfulness, Its leaf does not wither, there's durability, and all that he does, he prospers. I could spend a whole sermon on that, but I'm just gonna say real quick, not everything we do prospers, right? As in, we go through hard times. I think in context, this word prospers here really connects to verses four through six when he, he begins to talk about the wicked. Can you look at the wicked in their ways? It says what? Uh, the wicked are not like this. They're not gonna prosper. And what is the context? He's like a, a sheaf that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment. Right? He, he, he's not gonna prosper in judgment. He's not going, when it comes, I think the psalmist has the end game and result here is that this tree that is planted, he's good for eternity. Like there, there's nothing that, that, that the world can do. There's nothing that's going to happen to him that will undo what God has already done for him and in him. It will prosper. But for the wicked, they don't have hope in judgment. They will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation. Why with the righteous? Because in verse 6 says, The Lord knows the way of the righteous. But it says, But the way of the wicked will perish. So really, today. How to wrap this thing up. And I think this is a big one for us. For the Christian life. A, I wrote down no one outgrows the Bible, no one gets a monopoly on understanding, delighting in the law of God. I hear many people say things like God's been silent. But let's don't say that when our Bibles remain closed. Because the word's all, God's word is alive and active. It's always speaking. And it is sufficient for our roots to grow deep no matter how crazy the world is. It is sufficient for us to walk in the way of the Lord. We're not under its bondage anymore. We've been freed from it. But we're still... Responsible for the instruction that it gives to walk with him. The good news is he also empowers. And then I wrote this as well, is that in your own life, thinking about water, I can't get the imagery out of my head, does it's, it's, it feel like something's missing in your walk with the Lord? Maybe you haven't had that drive. Maybe you haven't had that passion. Maybe you, maybe you just haven't had any care at all. Apathy, if you will. Malnourishment always leads to illness. If you don't eat, you don't drink. You will get sick. I'm not a doctor, but I think that's right, right? No. Like if you. A lot of times I say stuff. So I think Luke got in trouble a couple weeks ago because he said something that wasn't medically correct. But his wife is a nurse practitioner, so don't do that. Uh, at least talk to her before. Uh, but if, if we don't eat, we don't drink, we become sick. It's impossible to live. Listen, for the Christian life, it's that simple as well. If we, don't, if we don't nourish ourselves on the word of God, there is going to be sickness in our life. And most of the time, whenever we find ourselves on the flip side of verse 1, that we're walking in the way of sinful, sinners or evil, and we're standing in the way of sinners, and we're sitting at the table at the scoffers is because at some point we walked away from this. You need to go back to that. Here's the good news. If you're a child of God, you can. Come just return. Ask the Lord for forgiveness, but ask the Lord to to increase your love for the word of God. If you're not a child of God this morning, I want to invite you to know him. The good news of the gospel is I've taught a lot about the law is that that God does have a law. He has commandments. And there's, there's you know, there, the Bible says if you, if you trespass one of them, you're guilty of all of them. And the reality is that's all of us. We're all born sinful against God. And there is there's judgment because of that. But this law, this instruction of the Lord has also revealed to us that even when we were sinful, while we were still sinners, that Christ died for the ungodly that God sent his son, Jesus, to, to, to pay for our sins, to die on a cross, so that you and I can be blessed is the man who knows his sins are forgiven. We all want the blessed life. Listen to me, it's not found in a book that tells you steps to, to, to happiness. It's not found in the size of your bank account. It's not found in relationships. It's not found in, in anything other than how God is revealed, it, and that is in His Son. So I would implore you, if God's calling you today, to believe in His Son, Jesus, do that. Let's pray, Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the work of sanctification in our life. God, that even though sometimes that may be <laughs> painful, it may be not comfortable, God, you're at work in our lives, so God, may we not fight sanctification, may we not resist it, but God, that we will surrender to your hand. You are the potter, we are the clay, may we just simply surrender and submit ourselves to you. God, we thank you that there's a blessing in walking with you. That walking with you, no matter what the world tries to paint a picture of, that walking in the way of the Lord and with the Lord is a blessed life. And we can do that in the power of your spirit. Not perfectly, but progressively. God, I thank you for your word. That it is sufficient so that the man of God or woman of God can be equipped for all every good work. Yeah, we repent of trying to live this Christian life apart from opening up this, this word. God, increase our love and our desire for your word. As David says, may we hide it in our hearts so we won't sin against you. And may we study the word so much that as we're living our life, God, that we are meditating, that we are we are speaking the word over ourselves in times of trial, in times of anxiety, in times of difficulty. God, may we remember Your word and may we speak it over ourselves. Remind us ourselves of, of Your law, Your truth. God, I thank You that Your word can establish us. God, He says, You tell us in Psalms that You drew us up from the miry pit, miry boggy, and You set our feet upon a rock, and that, that rock is secure. We understand that it is Christ Jesus, the foundation. But You've given us the gift of Your Word to understand what that means, to live in that truth and that reality. God, I pray if there's anyone in here this morning who doesn't know You, God, who who hasn't trusted in Jesus, <coughs> God, I pray that today you will draw them to yourself. So in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You can stand.